Hello, and welcome to this 13th dose of Magic for Realists. It's called Grieving in the Grocery Store. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I have the honor of making this podcast, and I'm really grateful that you're listening. Whenever you're listening and wherever you're listening from, thank you for tuning in. One of the things I find mysterious about this medium is how much it's it's stretchy across time that the time that I'm recording this and the time that you're listening are very different and currently to me unknown but I find that kind of exciting and so I hope that you find this podcast at a time that is helpful for you or you revisit it when it's helpful in general I'm making these podcasts because I want to honor and highlight what I consider the magic in everyday, seemingly normal life and existence. I like to call it the poetry of existence, the metaphors and the sounds and the nuance that we might otherwise pass over, but that I feel holds some secrets to a more depth and meaningful experience. And Hopefully something like happiness and delight along the way, or at least that feeling of, of really being fully alive. And I'm making this particular podcast as kind of a bit of a follow-up to last week's and inspired by a friend of mine and um, his comment on, on the podcast, particularly the part about grief, the part about... Um, there being a lot of death from this pandemic, and I want to broaden that out to any kind of grief and share some reflections on my experience of grief and maybe some, I don't know if they're, they just might be tools that, that could help either in your own grieving process or in accompanying somebody else. So... It's called grieving in the grocery store because my friend recounted that uh, his wife, who had who has recently lost somebody dear to her because of COVID nineteen, um, was in Walmart and had a panic attack while shopping. And that was the only I didn't hear all the details, but on hearing that, I remembered. I've also found grocery stores really tricky while grieving. So I thought, I mean, maybe we're the only two people in the world who have had panic attacks in grocery stores, but I think we're probably not. Um, so this is about that, and then it will broaden out from there. In my experience, grocery stores were hard because... Well, for a few reasons. There's something kind of overwhelming about all the possibilities of grocery stores. And when you're grieving, any memory is potentially, um, like the, holds the floodgates to a whole bunch of feelings and tears. And grocery stores are basically chock full of memories, like if you consider all the times you've eaten those food, those food and the, the meaningful things and the strange things and the inside jokes, like there's 
rows and rows of memories sitting there. Now, to be clear, I have yet to experience... I haven't experienced a lot of death close to me in my life. Um, I've experienced some, and but I feel like in some ways I'm... I might be unqualified to talk about this compared to how I will be qualified later in life when I've lost more people close to me. Um, But I don't feel like a foreigner to the land of grief. From the death of people and also from the death of dreams and relationships. And it helped me to, to understand that the death comes in many forms. So I hope that you take what I'm sharing here and, and find it useful in any kind of death that you're experiencing um, or have experienced or somebody close to you is. It could be the loss of a person, the loss of a pet, the loss of a phase of your life or mobility or health or a place or a relationship or a phase of your children's lives. There's so many ways that as life turns over, something dies, as I spoke about last week. And that's all part of it. So grief is part of it. And grocery shopping seems to also be part of it. So hence the two kind of meet up. One of the things I found tricky after the... When this is a, when I had, I'd say the, the early phases of grief of my last long-term relationship, um, were, well, still are, there's still phases of it. <laughs> you think these things are going to go quickly? They don't. There's, there's so many layers. Um, but in the early days, grocery shopping was really tricky because of the all the options, because I had to make decisions, because there was money involved, because I used to shop for more than just me, and now here I was, all by myself, shopping in the grocery store, and there's food that I remembered, there's food that I wanted, then your appetite's all weird, like what are you even supposed to eat when you're grieving? Your stomach is like somewhere else or nowhere, and not behaving as far as what you feel like eating. So grocery shopping's really tricky. And then you have all these things that bring up memories. And one of them for me was not actually food, but it was mason jars. Because part of my long-standing dream was to have this pantry with mason jars that I could like fill up every year. And for years before I had toted around mason jars with me in my nomadic life and I couldn't ever like buy enough mason jars so finally in that relationship I was I had a home and I bought plenty of mason jars and this was like deeply metaphorically meaningful to me to be able to buy all these mason jars and have like big ones and small ones and so many mason jars which is one of the things one of the tangible things that I lost in that ending. And so I get, so I'm trying to set up my new house and mason jars are fantastic. Like as an item, they are unparalleled in their utility 
their beauty, their aesthetic, they're so durable, they're fantastic. I love mason jars. And so I wanted to buy, I, like, any, like, they were the thing for the job, like, how to store my dry goods, how to, like, things to drink out of, to can food in, like, I, mason jars are the best thing to have. And I would get to the part in the grocery store to try and buy the mason jars to set up my new home, and I would just choke up. Like, I just, I would get, like, frozen in the aisle, trying not to cry out loud, as I'm like, I need, I need, like, I want to set up my home. Mason jars are the best thing. I just couldn't bring myself to buy more mason jars. All I could see was the mason jars that I left behind, and it felt so sad. And I wonder if anybody saw me (laughs) stuck in the, like, kitchen utility aisle, staring at the mason jars, and, like, it wasn't about the fact that I didn't want to spend $18 again. It was about about not wanting to face life on the other side. You know, like, that was something so final if I bought mason jars. It was just like, I just got hung up. So I thought, well, I can't buy mason jars. Like, I, I just can't do it. So I would walk away. And, and I, ex- I had to explain this to a few people. Like... I just can't buy mason jars and I need jars. (laughs) Oh gosh. I'm telling you this little detail because grief is in little details. This is how we experience life. And so you'll have your own little detail that is, it's precious and tender and might make grocery shopping difficult. So I explained to a few people that I couldn't buy mason jars. And to my kind of healing delight, several people gave me mason jars. They're like, oh, here, like have a few or like take this one. So, which was so lovely because it not only solved the practical problem that I needed some jars, but also was like this evidence that there was people around me and not just a gaping void, and that I was going to be surrounded by practical love, which is one of my favorite kinds of love. And and then maybe about eight or nine months into the grief, we'll call it, um, I was telling this story to a friend of mine who does who's a masseuse. And um, as I was telling the story, we were sitting across from each other at like a kind of a uh, booth seat. And, and I started to get choked up. I was telling the the more in-depth grief story and somehow also attaching it to this mason jars, which had now become quite symbolic. Clearly they're still symbolic because I'm telling you them in this very extended metaphor. Um, and as I was telling the story, he, he started rubbing my feet, like just kind of pushing on the bottoms of my feet and not like a a fully involved foot massage, which I've mentioned before are a godsend, but just holding my feet. And it felt like the grief had some, almost like a, an electrical current 
that had just been sort of like sparking inside me the whole time now had like a, a literal ground to attach to so it wasn't going to create sparks it was like that grief was grounding out my feet into his hands and and it felt really useful like yeah helpful useful like something was actually shifting and 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 time was moving on and then and the grief was still there and and it was it was metamorphosizing and then either later that day or the next day we went to the grocery store to like buy food to make supper together and and I I sort of accidentally ended up in the mason jar aisle and when I passed the mason jars I actually laughed I can I get shivers down my back when I say that like I I saw the mason jars and I just let out this laugh that sort of like release laugh where it's not like it's not really funny it's more like the steam vent is like pushing out the top through your vocal cords and you let out this like ha ha and I thought wow that's an improvement like something's changed I still can't buy mason jars like I still couldn't buy them that day um but I laughed instead of feeling like tears in my eyes and I was so excited because because there was a change and and so I say that because I want you to know that grief doesn't stay at the same stage it cycles back around many times and but like something is it's like the seasons something is always shifting and some shifts are more remarkable than others um but one day you might be able to walk down the grocery store aisle and it won't feel exactly the same um it'll feel easier or or maybe funny or maybe you'll feel angry instead of sad and that will be the next progression or maybe you'll feel sad instead of angry and that will be the next progression but these things if we allow them and we kind of invite them in in some way to not be just shoved underneath but to be welcomed into our our life really that you know you could you could shut grief out and try and have no part in it which in my opinion would just metastasize it somewhere else Um, but I I've experienced that as I live with and try and even befriend my grief it does shift and and has a lot to teach us I also want to point out that that one kind of grief really can sort of mix into another and you might have experienced this or it might be good to know as you're as you're in proximity to other people that these these kind of sad strings or strings of loss in our hearts can be quite it's almost like a piano key and like it's the same note even though it might have been a different circumstance and so if so one loss can feel like all the losses so like you could for example you could like break a favorite mug and and all of a sudden you're crying like so deeply and 
it's not really about the mug. Like you're sad about the mug, but the mug is like everything else that has been broken and lost. Um, so understanding or noticing that, that all that loss is, is in the same kind of like department of our psyche, I think can give us more compassion for ourselves and other people that you might not know all the losses and all the grief that they're experiencing. And you might be there for the little moment, the seemingly little moment, but it's actually the whole moment. Um, it's not the mug breaking. It's, it's, it's everything. And I also bring up grocery stores because there are places where we, we see strangers and that the people we pass or pass at a distance or go the wrong way down the marked aisles with, um, are, are having their own experience and, and they might be having a grief experience in the grocery store. So allowing a little bit of space, not just, not like the social distancing space or physical distancing space, I should say, but like grace and tenderness because because they might be grieving in the grocery store. And I remember when I have been behind a counter, like as a cashier at a coffee shop, grocery store combo, um, I, I really appreciated it when my customers basically like treated me like a full person, that I was a, a person having my own day and having my own life. And, 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 and like allowed a few more seconds in, in the time and also kind of in their heart for, for me not being like an elaborate computer. And especially if you shop in a grocery store where people wear like uniforms, um, you can, it's easy to forget that they're a person having a day and they might also be grieving when they say, hi, how are you? they might not be having a good day at all. And, and it's not like they necessarily need to get into it with you. But could there be enough like pause and even eye contact to share like a human moment between you that if either of you are grieving would soften and, and bring tenderness? One of my remarkable experiences on the other side of that when I was, a, you know, on the cashier side of the counter and I was having an extremely hard day with a very cruxy decision on my hands that was like time sensitive and extremely stressful to me. And I was barely keeping it together to try and make people's coffee and ring them through and give the correct change. And at one point there was nobody else in the store and this woman a little bit older than me came in and must have given that tenderness and I just I allowed myself to crack like she must have asked how I was doing and I said not well at all I am in trouble I need help I said do you have a few minutes and she said yes and we sat down and in 
you know, two minutes, I explained the gist of my conundrum. And she listened. And from her, you know, objective, really, like she didn't, she'd maybe come in for coffee a few more times before. Um, she just said something so astute and kind and clear. Like it was like she was an angel that said the right thing. And she didn't tell me what to do. She just affirmed that I was somebody who could know what to do. And, and it was like, wow, that was, that was so beautiful. Um, so I tell you all these grocery store grief, tenderness stories, because grocery stores might be a place where we very easily pass over the magic the magic in the sense of like the tingle of of when that wave of emotion and and sadness washes over you or when when some memory sparks and it's beautiful or there's another human right there with you and they're having an experience and are you at all aware of it? Like all of that is really easy to miss in grocery stores, but it's there. And I wanted to point it out to you. And because it feels like this is one kind of symbolic but also real way in which this COVID grief kind of almost comes full circle in that I remember, you know, about a year ago here in Canada, there was this panic about grocery stores running out of food and it never actually happened, but there was sections of stores that would be empty. And then there was also grocery stores being, you know, the, the very, one of the very few things that stayed open that people would still have to go out to. So it was like this one social contact point. At one point, I was so desperate to like dress up and have an occasion that I put on like my finery just to go to the grocery store so I could like, you know, parade around and wear something other than my home clothes. And I know I'm not alone in that in the pandemic, having dressed up to go grocery shopping. So now, you know, a year plus in, I want to point out that people in the grocery stores may be grieving all sorts of things, COVID-related or not. And and I think because of all... They, because they can be so easily overwhelming. And there's this strange, like, anonymity where you can feel... Where you... It, it might be a safe thing to do that when you can't do other social things. A seemingly safe thing to do, but then it still trips you up once you get there. If you're in the throes of grief, um, wanted you to know that if that's happening to you, you're not alone. And, um, and if it's not happening to you, that it might be happening to the person in the aisle with you. One of my solutions to this was to not buy mason jars for a while, for example. And, um, I chose the smallest grocery store in my town and I only shopped there because it was less overwhelming and, and it was easier. There was just less aisles, less options, less people. And it was slightly more expensive, um, but worth it for the like lessening anxiety. Um, so also, if you know somebody who's grieving, 
strangely, you could just offer to go grocery shopping for them. Like it might actually be quite tricky for them to do that. Um, or, or be understanding if, if, and when they can't make it through their whole list and they're in the store. Um, yeah, I know it, I might seem like I'm just going over this point, but it feels like it's really, there's a lot in there that these daily tasks can hold, um, all sorts of gateways to grief and being aware of that, I think helps us. I have since bought mason jars. I don't even actually really remember when I first, when I bought them because by the time I bought them, it was kind of like, oh, that's just a good idea. And it was just like pleasantly uneventful. (laughs) And I've noticed that over time, things that I thought I would never be able to do again, I can, which brings me back to how, how time changes things and and the and our loss ends up becoming a part of us and i hope that when in this i feel like grief is also something we can practice that was something else i thought about because my loss is so far like a, i'm going to have to do this over and over i'm probably going to grieve over and over in my life so I could, it's a skill. Like learning how to sit with your own grief and somebody else's is something we can practice. I don't think it's something to run away from. It's something to, yeah, to maybe get, could we dare even say comfortable with? Or get comfortable with the uncomfortable? Yeah. So on that note, one other tip that has helped me um, this applies to a lot of strong emotions, but one of the things that I feel scared of is when you're having a really strong emotion, grief, for example, or sadness, it can feel like it's literally going to kill you. Like it feels like it's going to, sometimes I feel like I'm going to drown, like it's going to swallow me or like, it's like a black pit of something I'm not going to be able to breathe in. And I can feel myself like tipping over the edge into it. And that's terrifying. Um, And learning how to try and feel in my body where that's happening and what part of my physiology is actually stressed. Like is it my heart, my throat, my lungs, and trying to talk to my body and assure it that actually this is not going to cause bodily death. I am still breathing with a heart beating. Like it feels at times like that's actually going to stop. So if you can have some part of your psyche still talk to yourself and say, you're still breathing. That's like sometimes the level at which you need to start. Um, But a little bit further when when I'm not quite that scared, but I'm feeling the wave of it. Sometimes I, like I can, you know, sometimes if I feel that cresting, like I'm going into the 
pit of despair, shall we call it? I'll just, I'll just have to get it. Like I'll, I'll have to, you know, walk away from the thing or distract myself or numb myself or whatever, or go get help so as not to fall in. But sometimes it feels like I need to, I need to get my feet in there a little bit. Um, almost because, because grief can, can make us feel close to the thing we've lost or the person we've lost. We almost need to touch it, need to keep it company. Um, I don't think it's healthy to try and avoid the pit completely, but we don't want to drown in the pit. So, um, at some, I'm not sure how to describe at which stage of this tip is helpful. So I'm just going to give it to you and then trust that you'll figure out when it's useful. <laughs> um, but sometime a long time ago, I read, I don't remember where it was and I don't know if it's true, but I read that you couldn't physiologically cry forever. I'm going to assume it's true because I think you like babies, you know, they wear themselves out after a while with crying. I think that happens to adults too. Um, yeah, that physiologically you can't cry really, really hard for like an extended period of time, which I took great comfort in because when it's happening, you think it's actually going to kill you and then it somehow doesn't, which is a really good thing to remember. Um, not necessarily a useful thing to blatantly tell somebody. You might have to figure out a sort of a gentler way, like, like just remind them to breathe. Um, you might be able to say this isn't going to kill you, but that could come across as cold. So you got to sort of be graceful in that wording. But anyways, um, I when I feel myself like tipping over the edge into that strong feeling and it feels like I need to indulge it or explore it a little bit, but I don't want to drown, I set myself a timer. I I take out my phone and I set a timer for 15 minutes. This trick also works if you're feeling angry. Um, it's really, really helpful. Um, I set a timer for 15 minutes. The other way to do this is to make a cup of tea and wait and give yourself the length of time that the water takes to boil and for you to drink the tea. That's about the same. That's where this, um, timer kind of originated from. Somebody gave me the advice of making a cup of tea. Um, so I set a timer for 15 minutes and I allow myself to go into the feeling as deep as I need to for 15 minutes, kind of like as if the, the timer is going to be the lifeguard who's going to send me the buoy and pull me out. The idea being that after 15 minutes, I have to get up and do something else or, you know, go outside or start eating or usually helps to change your physiology somehow, like your temperature or your location or your movement level or your, your food. Um, we are physical beings having these emotional experiences. So it's best not to underestimate how much your physiology is both affected and affecting your emotions, which is really helpful in grief. That's why touching somebody's feet, um, can really help, um, metamorphosize the grief and why eating is difficult and why physical exercise helps. Um, so you can try setting a timer as a way to have this 
this presence kind of like guarding you and and assuring you that you can feel the feeling a bit and it's not going to you're not going to get swallowed by it. So that at some point in the grief, not I'm not sure that works at the really early stages, but in the middle when you kind of have to like I'm not sure that makes it sound like there's an end. <laughs> Later on um when it when it's useful to explore the grief a bit, but you don't want to um drown in it. Um, a 15 minute timer could help. I don't think the 15 minute timer works in the grocery store. I'm not quite sure how those could go together other than maybe you could just grocery shop for 15 minutes. (laughs) You don't have to spend 15 minutes looking at the mason jars. I don't know as that would be useful. Um, I didn't try it. I never lasted that long and just move on. Um, so there might be somebody in your life who you're passing in the grocery store and you don't know or somebody close to you um, who you could accompany in that or somebody who has their their equivalent of a mason jar that you could give them because they can't get their own right now Um, it might be that they can't make their own meals because they're grieving or there's something about driving that's difficult or there's places there's a sometimes it's somewhere they need to go back to that is really triggering and and they they need to be accompanied back to that physical location or a conversation that they need to have that's going to be difficult all those um I think when we are aware we might be able to see these opportunities to accompany somebody or to ask to be accompanied if it's you Yeah, that's all I've got on that for now. I think that's plenty. And so I hope that you can feel some of my heart going out to you in any stage of grief that you are either with or accompanying. And yeah, I hope you can feel that. I'm glad you listened. Thank you for being part of my journey in being the audience in this. And if you'd love, like to share your thoughts or let me know that you were listening, that always makes my day. And also, if you review this or rate it on whatever platform you're listening to it on, that also both makes my day and helps other people who might benefit from hearing this to find this podcast. So I really appreciate that. If there's any other realists in your life directly who you feel could use a little magic or a little bit of these quirky, hopefully helpful thoughts, um, please feel free to share this. And so until next time, in the grocery store, at home, with your feet up, or wherever you are, I hope you experience some of the magic of the real world. Bye for now.